You're listening to The Classroom Collaborative Podcast with your hosts, Dee Dee Wills Ed Brock And Adam Peterson Here we go We're so glad you're here Let's get started All right, everybody, welcome back to the Classroom Collaborative Podcast. I am Adam Peterson with the lovely... Dee Dee Wills. Well, I don't know about lovely, but I'm here. It's it's afternoon, so we're not like just out of bed like we usually are with with, with clothes Like I've showered and... (laughs) That was by no means a knock at you either, I promise. That was... It's me. Like I've showered today too. All right. That's all right. Love you, Adam. (laughs) Well, it's been a while, but I'm so excited because we have a guest today to talk about... um, administration and teaching yeah. and life outside of teaching and writing and, and all things education. So I feel like it's a good time to bring someone on to talk about everything that's happened all this year. All the things. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so well, welcome we're... to the show, Rachel George. Hey, welcome. Excited to be here. Yay. Thank you. Oh gosh. We're excited to have you. We're really excited to have you. Um, Adam had sent me some information um, because, you know, I've been living in my own personal bubble population me. <laughs> and so um, I, but I, you know, completely out of the loop and he sent me your bio and I was like, Oh, I have to, I have to have new goals because oh. you have been slaying it. Um, and I, I'm just so excited to talk to you about everything that you've done. So Welcome. Yeah. So yeah, we're, we're excited to have you. We're going to link your bio in the show notes for sure. But uh, we want you to tell us about yourself and don't, I was going to say, don't leave anything out because you've got a pretty amazing, you've got a pretty okay. amazing story. So tell us yeah. about who you are as a, yeah. as you, but also as an educator too. For sure. Well, uh, education was like the last place that I thought I would end up. My mom was an elementary principal and I just equated it with like lots of girly stuff, like the applique, the jumpers. And I thought that, that is not (laughs) me. So I actually graduated out of a tiny town, like 54 in my graduating class. And you either went to college or you worked in the woods. And I knew I was going to go to college, but some girlfriends talked me into working in the woods in the summer to go work for the forest service and fire. This is a big change because granted, I did pageants in high school. So you're like bathing suit competition, (laughs) heels. Yeah, the whole nine yards. So I remember my first couple years, not years, but like first couple days in fire. I'm like, where's the trail? Like, where do you, where do you go to the bathroom? And they're like, there's no trail. Go to the bathroom in the woods. (laughs) That's not how we do things here. (laughs) Right? I was just shocked. Uh, But it was a great way to make college money. And I ended up just getting hooked on the adrenaline. And so I did that. Uh, for 11 years, like a wow. long time. Oh my gosh. Like you yeah. literally fought fires in the, in the forest. Oh for yeah. 11 years. Mm-hmm. On helicopters, um, on hotshot crews, on engines, right? Oh the whole gamut. Like I had like a federal permanent job with the forest service. Like that was my normal, normal gig. Well, I think it is it is okay to say, Didi, we've never had a guest like Rachel before on the no. show. Oh my gosh. First. Yes. Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting though, because I can remember like the tipping point where I'm like, I need to do something different. Mm-hmm. And it was like the fire had just come over where we had been camping that night with the hotshot crews, woke up and we like had to boogie out of there. And I thought, man, what am I doing? I'm making not a huge change on the world, not doing what I'm really passionate about. So I ended up going back to school, finishing my undergrad, but still kept with the fire gig. So finished that, just quit really like two or three days before I first showed up for my first principalship and even lived at the, at the ranger station. I mean, like I moved into the ranger station in wow. my new town. So went from like putting out fires uh, in, in the woods to like fires in buildings. <laughs> yeah. And 
in my first principalship, it was more of bomb threats. We didn't have a lot of fires, but we had a lot of bomb threats. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. So, oh my gosh. so tell every, tell everybody where, where are you in the world? Yeah. Oregon. You're in Oregon. Okay. okay. Yeah. And I've lived all over different parts of Oregon. You know, we moved a lot. Um, but I'm right now the principal at Sandy grade school. It's in the Oregon trail school district outside of Portland. So kind of in the Metro area. So uh, my house though, I still live in the woods. Love the woods. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> right. Yeah. I'm like 15 minutes to the ski lift. So it's really, really nice. That's awesome. Very nice. Very like nice. Didi's in the woods of Colorado. So Perfect. You, you kind of get well, that I'm, life. I'm not quite in, I'm not, I'm in the foothills, um, uh, before we get to the, to That's the mountain true. range, but, um, okay. yeah. Skiing it's, is also fun. Let's hear your story because Didi, you kind of had a similar. I mean, you you were in the service. You were in the Navy to mm-hmm. to kind of get through college, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kind of your story. Right. So you both kind of had that path. My path was I'm just going to go to school because I don't know what else to do. Like I <laughs> I didn't have a I didn't have a plan for life at all when I went to college, and, and here I am, you know, 15 years later as a teacher. But no, mm-hmm. your story is fascinating. So, so when you said, I always knew that I want to do something more, I love that you said you're, you're not making a big enough change in the world. That's, that's why we all went into this in the first place, to be the educators we are. What led you to like straight into being a principal? Like why, why that route? I should, I should have probably been much better at explaining it. I, <laughs> uh, I still taught for the last handful of years. So I ended up teaching at the high school level and still working for the Forest Service. And then I hopped to elementary. It was like the Goldilocks effect, like which grade level do I really like? <laughs> Loved elementary, but ended up landing at the middle school level, middle school math. It was such a blessing because it was during the recession and they cut up and around me because, I mean, you guys know there's not like a lot of middle school math teachers out right. there, <laughs> yeah. but I loved it. It was great. And so like super fortunate the Forest Service worked with me to still be able to like keep working and help their programs and such during the summer. So yeah, not a lot of downtime, not a lot of downtime in those years. No, no, no. And in the meantime, like <laughs> I was going to school, working on my different admin license and my doctorate and all those different things. I think I just have a hard time slowing down, quite frankly. But I think that that's why education's really good, right? Because you have to like move and groove to right. be able to get busy. so much done. Right, right. Yeah, for sure. It's never boring. <laughs> never, never boring. So. You know, I'm just thinking about, um, you know, you were talking about uh, always wanting to keep busy, like always, always looking for that next thing. Mm -hmm. And for what I was reading from your bio, your, your next thing was with the school um, as an administrator, right? Yep. Mm -hmm. So can you tell everybody a little bit about what that was like? What, what, what school was this? Was this the school that you started with? Did you go from teacher to administrator or did you move buildings or talk about that maybe a little bit? Yeah, good question. Um, Same state, different district. I actually moved across the state to get my first principalship. You know, some districts are super hard to get into. The one that I was working in, I loved, love, love, love the leaders, love the teachers, loved where I was working, but it was super hard to get a job. And actually, quite frankly, being a female was even harder because it was in a conservative area. And they were like, why don't you go get a coaching job first? Why don't you be an instructional coach? I'm like, dude, the other guys didn't have to go do that, but I, okay. Okay. So, um, I ended up having to move and that was okay. The superintendent at the time, there was a mentor for me, warned me about that. And I didn't fully understand. And then it, then it clicked after applying for a couple jobs. And so relocated to Southern Oregon from central Oregon at a middle school level. Uh, luckily it was super close to where my parents lived. So I had oh. some family and some network. Um, right. the 
crazy thing is that I would say my first year as a principal was it worst year of my life, <laughs> worst year ever. Like I was going through a divorce and I remember the first day of my first day ever, like on the job, I'm like sitting in the chair, my secretary's not there. It's just me. And I'm like, what in the world do I do? Like, <laughs> I like curled around in my seat, looking around. I'm like, do I walk the building? I don't even know where to start with this. I, so I wouldn't know either. I, <laughs> you no, know, it's I wouldn't either. Things, I, I, my mom, when I first started teaching, my mom was always on, she's like, Adam, I think you should be an administrator. I think, and I'm like, I don't, I don't want to do that. Like I'm having way too much fun in kindergarten. Like I can't imagine going and sitting at a desk and, and now I think I would love it. I would love mm -hmm. to go like, just be one of those people for the teachers, you know, and mm -hmm. support and, and run a school the way I, I think it could be run. So, but I, I think I'd be right where you were. Like, what do I do with, with my time right now? <laughs> what just happened? Well, and I also, I also think that there's a lot of teachers who listen to our podcast who may, may be in a first year teaching position. And I think, I think they could probably make connections with that feeling of like, oh my gosh, now what? Now, yeah. Yeah. And you know what? I equate that a lot to like when you first get into the classroom, student teaching, you never, even if you're like taking over the class the entire time from start to finish and the, and the cooperating teacher's not in the room, you still don't feel prepared for year right. one when you're having to make those first year decisions. Mm -hmm. And the principalship was just like that. Like I had subbed in the office consistently every week and had picked up a ton of stuff. So I thought, Shh, I got this and <laughs> totally got punched in the face. <laughs> like, Welcome to the real world. <laughs> uh-huh. Brutal. Well, oh, I think I think that just stands behind your, your bio and everything you've told us so far is, is your perseverance. And that's that's a word that I know has, has come up a lot this year. Like we just have to we have to keep going. We have to keep going. And and I always I always say this, and I probably tick a lot of people off with this, but people who are teaching right now, who are in administration right now you were made to do this. And and if, if there was anything that ever doubted in your mind that you weren't made to do this, it was last spring, right? And mm -hmm. and I would say those of us who, who are still in this right now are the people who are made to be in education. The people who weren't bailed in, in March, like they, they were out, right? So, out. so I love it that you, you've persevered through a life as, as not starting as a teeth, an educator to mm -hmm. transforming into a principal. So now you're teaching and administrating during probably the hardest time that any of us have ever faced as educators. So what have you you noticed? What kind of advice do you have for, for other people in your role that that has worked or maybe failures you've seen this year that, that you could give advice about how to, to avoid that? <laughs> I think one of the fire lessons that I learned is that you have to just start with making a decision, right? Like the situation sucks, things are on fire, <laughs> like things are blowing up, <laughs> literally. <laughs> and you have to act and that your inaction or you slow playing it ultimately has huge ripple effects on the outcome. And as the leader, you need to remain calm, collected and start making decisions. And if you make the wrong one, it's okay. You just fess up, own up, be transparent about it and then adjust and make sure you're mm -hmm. communicating it clearly. And I think those are sometimes the pieces that have been missing during these times, mm -hmm. like either, folks aren't owning up to some of the dismissed steps because it's embarrassing, which I get like public failure right. or they're so scared and they're like paralyzed as leaders that they're not sure what to do. And I've observed that with different, different leaders. And I think that that's a position that some building leaders haven't had to be in just that kind of heavy, heavy crisis mode of triaging and not knowing the answers. Right. I mean, and the ironic thing is that, I mean, teachers are in the same spot, like, right. Like how many of them had flipped classrooms, 
that were full Zoom online, like ultimately like an online teaching program. They're not teaching in a virtual charter school. They must have been in, in a brick and mortar. Right. That's where their passion is. So that would be my first one. And then my second one would be keep it skinny. I think that a lot of folks are trying to do a lot. Yeah. Like they, and I think they think, I don't know, maybe let like more is better, you know, or let's hit everybody and just like do a wide brush at everything, but it ends up with more burnout, more stress and people just incredibly frustrated. And so if you're able to just skinny up what you do, your actions, your initiatives, what platforms and instructional strategies you're using. I mean, that, that's money right there. That's a yeah. game changer. Yeah. That's great advice. Yeah, for sure. Well, and I think, I think one of the things that you said, um, you said that being able to kind of adapt because, you know, what you're doing in September might look really different than what you're doing in October. And then again, in November and then December, forget about it. I mean, it's like, doesn't even look like anything that we've ever heard of before. So, you know, that constant switching gears um, is something that some people could do really easily. And some people, people have a really hard time doing, um, or they they do fine in the moment, but then later when the crisis has gone by, then they have to take some time to kind of decompress. Right. Mm -hmm. And I, I think, I think even though there are some teachers who are like hitting the floor, fighting the fire, <laughs> I, I think when we get on the other side of this, we are going to need to really make sure that we have some mental health kind of, um, Therapy is not the right word, but just addressing that. Right. Huge. And I think that that's a really, really big concern that I have in the current moment, had in the spring, and even, even moving forward. You know, I've heard some fantastic ideas where schools are really empowering their social workers and school counselors to shift that focus from being kid-focused to now being staff-focused. And they're opening right. up office hours for them to be able to talk and process. And that's huge. You know, I've been super thankful that as a building, we've talked a lot about self-care over the last couple of years. So we at least had a foundation and common knowledge about what it is, the purposes, you know, and, and all those components, because we've been able to just really dive in to that as a building this year, even more without any guilt whatsoever, you know, and accountability partners and just understanding where we're coming from and, and being able to articulate when you need space or whether you're going to take a break, because in some school communities or districts, that's not not their MO, which is super mm -hmm. unfortunate. Yeah, right. I remember when, when our, I, I think I've told this story on here before, Dee, Dee but uh, when, when our school is starting back up, so the school my kids go to, I taught at before I stepped out of the classroom to do consulting, but my mm -hmm. wife still teaches at that school. We taught in the same hallway and I overheard a call from her principal saying, listen, when we go back these first three weeks, because we we're our kids are in person right now, started in person, it's been going strong. They've mm -hmm. luckily, I mean, knock on wood, it's, it's, worked but um I remember her saying like listen the first three weeks I don't want you opening the manual I don't want you getting any curriculum out I want you talking to these students asking them about their summer making it as as relationship full as possible number one because that's important but number two so that they know who you are when and if we have to shut these doors so that was one of those things that just made me realize like yeah like we need this time as as human beings not teacher student but yeah. human being to human being it's a person business right yeah for right, sure right right 
So, so let's talk about about the book. So, yeah. so I'm like, let's segue into that. I know. I'm super I'm, excited about that. <laughs> so, so those of you listening, uh, Rachel is a fellow DBC uh, published author, and and I know mm-hmm. you co-wrote this book with with some other friends of yours. So, tell us about who wrote this book with you. Tell us about the book. What readers can expect to get out of this? Yeah. So the the book is principled, navigating the leadership learning curve. Uh, it's not just for principals, uh, regardless of what the title tells you. And say like aspiring people, um, aspiring leaders, teacher leaders, um, even just you know people out of the profession that want to dive into some leadership strategies and techniques. You'll find some good nuggets in there. Wrote it with two good girlfriends. Um, they're both elementary principals, or one was. She now works at the district office. They're from Oregon as well, so it's kind of a, a powerhouse trio. Awesome. Which is great. Um, we have Kate Barker. She's in the David Douglas School District. She, let me tell you, 17 different languages in her school. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. It's like uh, she probably has like over 400 kids, which for Oregon, that's a lot. She knows every kid's name. Mm. She's won multiple um, awards and recognitions for her pre-K programs. Really, wow. really impressive. She has some great stuff going on. And then our my other friend is uh, Courtney Ferrua. She's now the like the director of teaching and learning, kind of like a curriculum director in McMinnville. She did an incredible turnaround at the elementary school she was at before she moved up to the DO, which is, she was at the elementary school when we started this project. So it was about a two year process and just incredible work. So we met through like our state association uh, for principals and super thankful for that. And when we started talking, we were like, you're talking my language, student (laughs) achievement, like vibrant student culture, uh, teacher voice, just really about, you know, leveraging outcomes for kids and doing it in a really loving, caring, personable way. And the more we started talking, the more we were like, man, we wish someone would have told us this. (laughs) like when we started (laughs) just like in like in teacher school, right? They don't teach you half the stuff you really need. Right. Yeah. So we started getting folks visiting our buildings, all three of us. And it was probably, I shouldn't say the location that might give away what we were doing, but it was after the, it was in the evening at the end of a conference <laughs> <laughs> and we were sitting around. It was a social meeting, gathering, a social right? gathering, right? <laughs> <laughs> and we were like, we should, we should write a book. We need to put this together. Like being a principal is equal parts hard, equal parts awesome. And the parts that are hard suck. Like. I mean, you know, you guys know the the mm-hmm. teacher dropout rate after five years and the principalship is real similar and the support is just really needed and it's not there. The unfortunate part is that I've had a lot of administrators I've mentored over the years as they head into the profession and they'll call me like three years later, Rachel, there's no support. When I was a teacher, they did X, Y, and Z and they helped me through this. And I'm like, no, nope, girl, <laughs> it's different, man. You're in the bigs. You're expected to be able to do it on your own. Uh, which is a shock for many folks, but the saving grace is that there's a whole huge group of us behind you to help. So while you might not always get it from the folks above or beside you in your district, there's a whole posse of folks out and around. And so we really wanted to help be that for folks and really dive into help being able to be your best self as a leader. And so that's kind of how the book came to fruition. That's awesome. awesome. I love that. I'm trying to figure out the percentage, 17 languages in a school of 400 students. That's like one in what? That's crazy. Yeah. 
translators galore. Um, I'm, I'm virtually cool. teaching a little a little boy that's four years old and he's he's Chinese and he's teaching me, he's trying to teach me some Mandarin, but all I've learned is hello and goodbye so far. <laughs> that's impressive still, I like it. Yeah, I can't, I can't do anything else. So 17 languages, wow. I had a, a similar, my first two years was in San Diego Unified School District and I had, yeah, it was 100% free and reduced and really, really a, a low, when we came in, it was a very low performing school, the bottom 10%. So when I was looking at your bio, I was like, oh, I'm making a connection. And, <laughs> and, and that, that year that I started um, out of 44 teachers, 40 of us were first year teachers because they just had to change the culture. So looking at your bio, um, it sounds like you, not that you had to do that, but you had to change the culture or something, something yeah. huge changed for your school. So can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, no, would love to. So the interesting thing is, Dee, Dee there was a huge change in staff. Um, within five years, we had a full staff turnover, mm. uh, which is beyond challenging. Um, and also even more so when you're trying to change the trajectory of student outcomes mm. um, and professional development and developing that common mission and vision and where you're going. Um, the piece about that though is that we had a lot of folks retire it was an older okay. staff and I remember coming in early, early thirties and they were probably about my mom's age or so. And they looked at me and they're like, you can't touch me. I was going to say, me. what was that like? As, as like, <laughs> like I've been here forever, honey. Uh -huh. I <laughs> yeah, it was, it was really interesting, completely different dynamics than the building that I was at before, but we, we dove deep and we did a lot of collaborative work. Um, and a lot of visioning together. I think the, the change and the catalyst was that our, our student outcomes the year prior were not what people were expecting. A couple years prior, they had been much better. And so there was a principal there the year before me, just for one year, and stuff just went downhill super fast. And so my superintendent, when I was hired, was like, here's your direction, fix it, and, you know, and like, flipped the scores on the table like hey here you go um so thankful it wasn't like my first principal gig that was super helpful but that first year we spent a lot of time on what are we about what i mean we couldn't figure out what happened i wasn't there a couple new staff weren't um and it was just such a hot mess it wasn't even worthwhile to like dig through mm -hmm. so you know what is sandy great about what are we gonna like put our stake in the ground on what are we going to stop doing? And there was a huge amount that we stopped doing. So collectively, we were able to come up with that we be, we believed all kids um, could grow. We could not control like the home environment. We couldn't control all these outside circumstances. But once they got to the building doors, man, we could go bonkers on that. And so we wanted to focus on growth. And we thought that if we could really dial into academics, attitude, that social emotional aspect, and attendance, that we could really move the needle. And so then we sat everything down on the table, like huge brain dump. What are we doing? What types into those pieces? What doesn't? What can we stop doing? Which was hard, right? Like you can imagine the emotional. Wait, wait it's like we're getting some feedback or something. You know what? It's the garage door. Oh. What's okay. that? My husband opened the garage door. Oh, I was like, what's going on? I know, I'm like, I've never heard that noise on my headphones before. The monster. Okay. I think he'll shut it here in a second. All right. We'll give it a sec. 
It's okay. That's 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 part of the living in the technology-based world communicating. Oh my god! Yeah, across, yes. across the country. we're all about the cut too. You know, we can always cut that stuff out. Right. <laughs> well, I think what, what you were just saying, I think, speaks to a lot of teachers this year because why they might not be first-year teachers or they might not have a whole, you know, shift in in staff. Everything is new this year, and and we we do we kind of have to drop things and start from scratch this year. I know a lot changed at my kids' school. A lot of the schools that I've done work with this year have said the same thing, like nothing's the same. Where do we start? What do we do? So I think everything you're saying is, is, um, there, is that the garage door again? Yeah, it's closing <laughs> this time. <laughs> I love it. See, I'm usually like, you'll hear boom, 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 my kids running around upstairs, but, but not today. Or they, my dog snoring. So or your dog you know. snoring. Yeah. But no, I think, I think everything you just said is, is so true for the world we're living in right now, because it, it does feel like it's new to all of us. Right. Right. This is so stressful, right? Especially when you're used to having kind of your routine and it's mm -hmm. predictable and you know, if this happens, you're going to do this or that. And, and it's all up for grabs right now. And right. I think that's a big piece. I've had a lot of conversations with the staff is that we're still trying to hold on to the same mindset, right? Like I need to reach every single kid. And I'm like, but you are, you also got to not kill yourself, right? Like you can't right. wait until midnight answering emails or calling home. I mean, we've done so much that you got to be okay with the changes and, and what we've put in. I was going to, I was going to ask you, how do you balance that um, kind of mission statement that you came up with, with giving ourselves grace for this moment in time, right? Mm. Oh, huge, huge. Well, yeah. I think you can still, you can still focus on growth. And we've had that conversation, especially district wide and within the building, like mission, vision, still the same. We're still doing that. Does it look different? Oh yeah, you bet. Right. Like the delivery model, also understanding the expectations and understanding what's on, what's on our plate, what's on our personal plate, the staff's plate, our families, mm -hmm. like some of our families are ready to crack, you know, and it, it's mm -hmm. just a lot to handle. Mm -hmm. And with our population of students, it, it's, it's a lot. And I think that that's the piece where you come alongside and you give grace. I have been super thankful that, you know, our state is looking to do a waiver for our state assessment, which that's a super big deal. We appreciated that last year. You know, that's a driving force uh, within our state. So to be able to kind of take that pressure off mm -hmm. is, is a huge relief for many of us. I think I it shows the understanding of what we're all faced with right now. I bet. Looking at your your student population, just kind of when I was was hearing, probably a lot of blue collar workers, right, is what I'm understanding, or in the service industry, maybe, mm -hmm. yeah. And so, this shutdowns or modifications affects them way more right. than the white collar workers have been affected. So, how what as a school? I'm just kind of curious. I mean, this wasn't a planned question. Hardly oh, any. Good. Hardly. Hardly anything I ever say is I was going to say, now, so. don't lie. When do we plan anything? <laughs> I know, right? Oh, yeah. Usually I, I plan well ahead of time. But anyhow, <laughs> so as as a school, um, how, are you, how are you supporting parents? Or what are you doing differently this year that maybe maybe you weren't doing a previous year? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, we're doing a lot more home visits, mm. which oh, nice. I know many schools do a lot of home visits already. But we didn't have a need to really do that. We were able to meet families at the building. Families would come in or we were able to connect with them. But we have a lot of folks that are just off the grid right now, too stressed to return phone calls, not able to get online, or just not able to make that connection with 
So we've really leveraged our school social worker and some of our community partners that um, are bilingual, able to communicate with our families. They have the tech skills so they can then walk the, the families through because that's often a barrier of how to navigate yeah. the different systems. Um, and then we've been heavily connecting families with different community supports, like if they need food baskets um, or other just different health and safety type items. Mm, okay. Mm -hmm. It just looks different. Right, you guys are, right. you're, are you full remote have been? Yes. And we have been since the start. Have yeah. you really? Okay. Mm -hmm. I was just curious. I, we didn't ask that at the beginning. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. That's one thing we've, we've had quite a few guests who have been in, in your shoes, but then we've had some who are in person. We have some who've gone back and forth and it's, it's so interesting to see the different dynamics across the country, how it's, how it's working. I mean, we even see it different here in our hometown. Our, we have two elementary districts in our town. The one my wife teaches that my kids go to school at are still in, in person. The other one is remote, but it was more so like the kids have been fine, but they had a ton of staff who was, who were either quarantined because of family or had gotten sick yeah. and there's no subs. They can't get anybody to come into the buildings. So they're on remote through, I think like January, mid-January, but our superintendent has made it, made it clear. She's like, as long as it is safe for the kids, we're going to keep the building open because they need to be here. And our district is a very low income district. So mm -hmm. they want the kids there as much as possible. And, and I think the latest number I, I heard or Tricia had mentioned to me was, was maybe seven cases, but it was no direct cases of our students. It was like students in contact with a family member. So it's worked. I mean, it, it's, it's worked and we've kind of proved that it can, but yeah. So I, I wasn't sure. I know I saw your picture that you posted of how many coffee pots are too many coffee pots in an office? So I was like, is that at home? Is that at school? Where is it? <laughs> I got my like Keurig and then I just added an espresso machine. One of those awesome. things. I'm just going to combine it all together. I was going to say, if that, doesn't, if that doesn't scream 2020, what does, right? <laughs> right? My coffee intake has just skyrocketed along with my use of leggings. <laughs> and that's going to be hard to change when kids come back and start going back to like a normal thing. But almost, I'm in the office pretty much every day. There's a couple days where I'm, you know, maybe change it up, but. You get, you're used to. <laughs> the leggings. <laughs> I think everyone can attest. They, they agree. Yeah. 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 Um, well, thank you so much. We, we really appreciate this. Yes. It's is phenomenal. So listeners, Principled is the book. You can find it on Amazon. You can find it on DaveBurgessConsulting.com. And uh, yeah, thank you, Rachel. This was oh. super inspirational and, and good yes. luck to you this year. Yeah, thank you. It was an honor to be here. Appreciate it. All loved right. it. We loved it. Thank you so much. Thanks, you guys. See you next time. Thank Bye. you. Bye. Hey, thanks for listening to the Classroom Collaborative Podcast. If you are enjoying these episodes, please make sure that you subscribe wherever you are finding them. And share and rate it so others can find it as well. We'll see you guys on the next episode. Thanks for listening. Bye.